0: Well, What's going on guys real quick before I start the episode I mentioned at the end of the episode that I'm going to be moving the show to Monday and originally I had planned to drop this episode tomorrow instead of today but um, I'm going to drop this episode today this is Sunday the 18th but then from here on out I'm going to move the show to Monday so it'll come out every Monday here on out instead of Sundays God bless enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Coltact Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Jones. I'm extremely excited to be with you guys today. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I greatly appreciate it. Um, To be honest with you, I don't really know what this one is going to be called. I don't know what this one's going to be titled. Usually, I kind of have an idea as I'm studying on what I'm going to title the episode, but I have no idea. So we'll see. I'm recording, and then I'll have to come up with something after. But we're coming up on the end of our little mini-series on spiritual warfare and a plan of attack. And it was just really, really positive. There was a lot of great response. I had a lot of interaction with you guys, people telling me that they're going through the same kind of struggles and that it helped them. Um, and th- and I'm just extremely blessed by that. And I'm thankful that the Lord would use me in in any way to bless somebody else. And, and that is something that I pray to Him daily. Lord, just just use me as an empty vessel, however you see fit you know fill my cup to overflowing and let the overflow hopefully bless other people through the word that I feel like he has placed on my heart to share with you guys so I'm extremely extremely excited about that and encouraged and so today I want to talk a little bit about just a verse that that really popped into my head a couple weeks ago and I knew as soon as it popped into my head I thought you know I need to do an episode about that and so I was kind of letting it marinate a little bit over the last couple of weeks and, and taking some notes here and there and and just trying to look up different scriptures that I felt went along with it. And so the first place that I want to go, it's not in scripture. Um, it's actually a story that I heard about a little bit ago, and it's we actually just came across the anniversary. This happened August 23rd, 1973. So basically what happened was there was an escaped convict who entered a bank. Now, this was in Sweden. OK, and when he, he robbed this bank, he went into this bank carrying a machine gun. And while he was in there, he, he let a couple of sh- shells go in the air. You know, he took some shots and he actually injured one of the police officers that was in the bank. And, and through all that, he ended up taking four employees of the bank hostage. Right. And so this story, of course, it captured headlines across the world because you hear about something like this. Obviously, it's going to send shockwaves, right? So, um, and and some of the pictures are crazy to look at. And and when I, some of you guys might know this story if you're a history, um, a big history buff. But like I said, this was this took place in Sweden, and um, yeah, I just encourage you to look up some of the pictures. Um, like I said, the date was August twenty third, nineteen seventy three, and so he took these people hostage, and this dude literally held them hostage in the vault in the bank. Right. But something crazy happened throughout the course of time. He had them locked in this vault for five or six days, something like that. And the hostage formed this weird bond with their captors. Right. And I think it was two guys. The one guy went in there first and and took the shots or whatever. But um, when, as I was reading through it, um, I believe it was two guys that had these, these people held hostage. Right. And, and, it got to the point where they grew this relationship over the course of these five, six days, whatever it was to where the people that were being held captive were more afraid of the police officers who were trying to rescue them. they were more afraid of the cops than they were their own captors. And, and ultimately um, the police officers threw in um, uh, what is it called? Like the tear gas, they threw the tear gas into the bank and and told the hostages, you know, they probably had a loudspeaker or something like that. You know, the hostages come out first, but they refused to come out, like they didn't want to come out. They were trying to protect these people that were holding them captive, and and ultimately they they got the people out and whatnot. But um, they formed this weird bond with them. And I and as I was reading it, one of the the hostages said something like, um, they felt like the the their captors were being. Um, What's the word I'm thinking of like compassionate to them because they would even when they would give them threats, they would say things like, well, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to shoot. I'll just shoot you in the leg if you don't listen to me. And basically they're like, OK, this this person, you know, they're really they really are on my side. Like they're showing me compassion by saying they're not going to take my life. They'll just shoot me in the leg. Right. And so they over these the course of these days, they built this weird bond, this weird relationship. And that um, developed into like after they got out. Um, different, uh, what is it called, like science, not scientists, but uh, psychological, what is it called, psychologists, (laughs) I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, smartest tool in the box, see, I don't even, I'm I'm mixing my metaphors here, Um, anyway, these psychologists call this Stockholm Syndrome, I'm sure you've heard that before, and that's basically where you are um, feeling sympathetic to your captor to where the point you see that a lot of people in like domestic violence situations or um, sex trafficking situations, stuff like that. And sometimes that could be because, you know, maybe a certain person like in the sex trafficking area would be like addicted to a drug or whatever like that. Right. So um, I'm sure you've probably heard of that, that syndrome before. So we're kind of going to touch on that a little bit because I think it it goes along with this verse that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart to share with you guys and it, it is from John 5 um, we're gonna read a couple of verses here we're gonna read two two through seven eight something like that so um, basically this is the the healing at the pool of uh, Bethesda right so um in, in John it says now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. This is verse 5. So this dude, he's been struggling here at this pool of Bethesda for 38 years. So when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Okay, so that's, I, that's kind of where I want to stop. I mean, it, it goes on. Uh, you know, the man replies to him, you know, I have no one to put me by the pool. So basically um, this pool would bu- bubble up and the people that gathered around there thought that there was supernatural healing through this pool. And so if you were the first one that gets to where the where the where it's the bubbling up, they thought it was, I believe, and I could be wrong about this. I didn't. I should have probably looked into this a little bit deeper, but I feel like it was um, I feel like I heard that it was uh, they felt like it was, um, Maybe it was like angels, angelic, something like that. Either way, they felt like it was supernatural, and they would be healed if they got to where this spring went up, right? These, These bubbles, the bubbling up of the water. And this dude, he could never get to where the healing would take place or where he felt like he needed to get to for the healing to take place. This guy's been there for 38 years, and I think it's very interesting what Jesus asks him because I think that oftentimes... In our lives, or maybe we see somebody that is around us that we think, why isn't this person bettering their lives? Or why am, or we can get stuck in a place where it's like, I want to do better. I want to do this. I want to reach this specific goal. I want to stop smoking. I want to stop drinking. I want to stop watching pornography. I want to stop being lazy. I want to lose weight. Whatever the case may be, we're all struggling with things, right? We've already talked about that in past episodes. But it's like, do you want to put in the work to actually be healed? Like Jesus went to him and he says, Do you want to be healed? And it's like, I mean, that's that's kind of an obvious answer. Like the guy is sitting there at this place where all the people that had issues were gathering because they feel like they're going to get a healing at this place. And Jesus doesn't walk up to him and say, you know, I'm going to heal you today. You know, just rise, get up and walk. He says, do you want to be healed? And I think that is a question that really needs to be, kind of delving into a little bit because that is the main question that i am asking you today like whatever you're struggling with do you want to be healed or do you just want to talk about it do you just want to make excuses on why you can't do better right and i think in doing this this is this is a conviction in my own heart and life it's like i say i want to be the best dad that i can be but am i actually working towards that i say i want to be the best husband that i could be but am i actually Working in that direction, putting forth that effort, putting down my phone, not getting on Instagram as much, not getting on, you know, Facebook or TikTok or whatever the case may be and spending time with my kids, spending time with my wife. Right. Like, do I want to be healed? You know, and whatever the case may be, obviously every situation is different and we're all going through different things. But that's kind of what I want to get into today. It's like, do you want to be healed? And so the thing about it is, is you cannot be freed against your own will. Right, because we have been given free will. God has given us that that gift of free will. Right. So I think this next passage speaks to that. We're going to go to Genesis. We're going to jump around to a couple different places. We're going to go to the very first book of the Bible. This is Genesis chapter 19. Um, and Genesis chapter 19, verse 23. It says the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to, I guess it's Zora, Z O A R Zora. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Verse 25, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Verse 26, and this is the part that I think goes right along with that question, do you want to be healed? Verse 26, it says, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. I think sometimes we say we want to be healed, but we are so enthralled with the things of this world. We're so attached to it. We've become so addicted to the things of this world that is holding us back from what God is truly calling us to be. That full healing, that full person that we can be for Him. And we're too busy looking back at the things of this world. And His wife was turned into salt for that. If you flip ahead, uh, I'll flip back actually. To I believe it's chapter thirteen, yeah, chapter verse thir- uh, chapter thirteen. We're gonna skip down to verse ten. Okay, so if you know anything about this story, Abraham and Lot um, here in this chapter, Abraham tells Lot, you know, you can pick. We're gonna stand up here on this this mountaintop or whatever, and and we're gonna look down at this land. You can pick which part of the land that you want, right? He said, I'm going to let you have first pick. And so here in verse uh, 10, it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord. Verse 11, so Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot chose to journey east, thus separated from each other. Go down to verse, the end of verse 12, it says, um, He moved his tents as far as Sodom. And I think when you look at. Lot's wife, and I can't remember exactly where I heard a preacher talk about this the other day, that was in the Gospels, that the shortest message that Jesus ever preached was, um, I believe it was in the book of John, where where Jesus says, Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. She let the things of this world hold her back, and she let the things of that, that, that she felt like was more important than what like the rescue was going to be right because God sent like salvation God sent um, um, a rescue their way because God told Abraham you know I'm gonna destroy the whole the whole cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, right And so before he did that he made a plan to get lot out. He sends the two angels to to get them out to rescue them right but she just can't help. But look back, and you see here in verse 13, it says at the end of verse 10, um, uh, that Lot saw that it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. So basically, these people were looking at Sodom and Gomorrah like it was the Garden of Eden. And in her mind, she's thinking, what can be better than this? I don't want to leave where I'm at right now. I don't want to leave this lifestyle. I don't want to leave the garden of eden because in her mind that's what it's saying here in this text that lot was looking at it like it was the garden of eden right and so obviously i'm taking a little a little bit of liberty there saying that she thought the same thing but i think that's safe to assume when when she is being rescued from this place that god is raining down fire and brimstone but she can't help but turn around and look at it because she's got to get one last look at her garden of eden it just begs that question Do you want to be healed or do you want to look back at your garden of Eden that is holding you back from what all you can be for Christ? Because the plans that Christ has for you are better than the ones that you have for yourself. And you can't, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this message is for somebody that you know in your life. I know several people in my life that I feel like this is geared toward. And it's like, I've come to this place and talking to a couple different people about it where it's like, and we kind of come to the same conclusion. It's like, you can't want more for somebody than they want for themselves. Right, and we can have the best intentions and the best um, wishes for somebody, and and we can pray for these people, and we can try to do our best to to encourage them and steer them the right way. But ultimately, it comes down to that question that Jesus asked this man in in the Book of John: Do you want to be healed, or do you just want to talk about it? Right. So I think it's very it's very important to have your priorities lined up in the 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 correct manner. So now I want to go to Second Samuel 6, 16. We're going to read a little bit of this, and then we're going to go to one more text in the Bible. And, and I feel like those first two passages that we went to in John and in Genesis kind of line up. And then I feel like these two next scrip- scriptures kind of line up in the same way, talking about um, when you notice this in somebody else. Like, like what what do we do? when we see this in somebody else's life where we see that they're not wanting as much for themselves as you think they should or wanting more for somebody than they want for themselves, like, what what is the response to that? What does that look like? And, and I'm even kind of questioning right now in this moment, like, what does that look like? Like, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? Well, I want to give a couple examples of that, and then we'll kind of see if we can pull something out together. So this is 2 Samuel 6. Um, we'll go to verse 5. So this is right after the ark was brought back to Jerusalem. Okay, so verse 5, it says, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and, and lyres and harps and tambourines and castnets and cymbals. Skip to verse 14. It says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Verse 15, it says, "With shouting, uh, It says, They brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the horn. So if you know anything about this text of Scripture right here, this is, like I said, this is when they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And, they, and David is out as out celebrating. He's worshiping. He's dancing before the Lord. He's taking off his garments, and he's dancing with uh, the servant girls, right? And, and so Michael, um, she comes to him. She sees David. Uh, it says in verse 16, she says, Uh, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Skip down to verse 20. It says, And David returned to bless his household, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Okay, so one thing we have to understand is is context when we talk about scripture. And and it, it does sound kind of weird when you see David is basically taking off his, his fine robes and his linen and he's going out and he's dancing his clothes off with female servants. And if you know anything about that point in time, um we we talked about it before on on one of the earlier episodes about the prodigal son where it was shameful for a man to lift up his robe to run right it was shameful for him to expose his legs and in that day and age like if you were wealthy you were uh, te- you were um like pale skinned right you were uh, you were fat because that showed that you had Food, you could eat whatever you wanted to eat. You were eating the, the finest food. You had the finest clothing. You didn't have to work in the fields, so you were indoors. You were uh, well covered. You know, you weren't tan like somebody that be out in in the in the fields working the fields and whatnot, being a servant. And so they looked at even like their dancing. It, it, it's almost like the the rulers and the people that were in charge. They would get the servants to dance for them, right? And it was considered like a lowly task to do. And and it was kind of almost, I'm trying to think of the right word here, almost kind of like demeaning. And so you look at the ranking of how they looked at men and women back then. And as we know, men and women are equal, but we are different. We have different roles. We have different skills and talents. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is the way God created us from the beginning of time. People try to blur that nowadays and try to act like we're all the same, like you can be whatever you want to be. That's a different story for a different day. But men and women are equal, but we're different. But in those day and age, they looked at especially the, the women servants as like the lowest of the low. So you would have send your women servants out there dancing. So in a sense, we know David is a man after God's own heart. By David going out there and, and taking off his wealthy clothing, like his garments and things like that, basically what he was saying is... I'm breaking down barriers right now because we are all one. We are all the same in Christ Jesus. I'm out here dancing with who is considered to be the lowest of the low, and i'm I'm gonna wear the same kind of garments that they're wearing. the, the, the I'm sure these servants were probably wearing, you know, rags and things of these uh, things of that nature. And so for him to take off his garments and to go out there and dance with them. and then Michael, you see, we know the type of person that Saul was. I think that's why. Um, several times throughout this this passage, it referenced Michael and it says, you know, the daughter of Saul. Because we know the type of ruler that Saul was ultimately did not look at God as as the true God, right? And so, and David did in her despising him in his heart. So let's look over, let's look over now to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, this is a, a passage that I like to use a lot. My mom Um she sent me a video the other day about Luke chapter 15, uh, the parable of the lost sheep. We're not talking about that right now, but um, I guess I'm, I'm pretty easily predictable. I like to use that analogy of, you know, the lost sheep because there is no insignificant person out there. There's no insignificant soul that God is not going to leave the the majority, the 99, for that one. And and I just love that passage. But we're actually going to go down to the prodigal son here, and we're going to go to verse 28. Um, This is talking about the older son now. The older son was in the field working and he comes back to the house. He hears the music, he hears the dancing and all that stuff. And verse 28, it says, he was angry and refused to go in. Um, So his father came out and talked to him, basically, as well as his entreated him. Um, But he answered his father and said, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, Who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf, fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and to be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, and now he is found. So I think the connection between both of those two passages of scripture that we see with the older brother here in Luke chapter 15 and that we see with Michael ears is they're not hearing the music, right? Neither of them could hear the music and how often times in our life are we that older brother? Are we that Michael who's unable to see the blessings from God that is all around us that he has given us? You know, I think we can be so distracted with whatever it is that is holding us back. Maybe a judgmental spirit, um, you know, whatever the case may be. So basically we see two ends of the spectrum here. We, like, we don't want to be like Michael and we don't want to be like the older brother here where we're so judgmental to somebody that we see trying to do the best that they can to worship God or trying to do the best they can in life in general, right? We don't want to be taking that position because that is a position too where it's like, do you want to be healed from that? And do you even realize that that is something that you need to be healed from? Right, And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we don't want to be like Lot's wife where we are holding on to things of this world so tight, holding on to faults that we have or are, like I said earlier, our, our specific Garden of Eden, whatever that might be for you, whatever that looks like in your life. And we don't want to be like um, um, this man and the, the healing of the pool in Bethesda where when Jesus comes up and approaches you and asks you, do you want to be healed? He doesn't immediately say yes. He basically just says, like, I can't get to the water. Anytime I try to get to the water, I get blocked and not even understanding that the blessing is standing right in front of them. So I just say all that to say I think this is a heavy topic, and I think that this is something that when you're talking about somebody that is like the man the pool, the pool, at the healing of the Pool of Bethesda that is in a spot where he needs to be healed or he has, he has got hardship in his life, We don't need to be so judgmental about that person because ultimately God is on the throne, right? God does have control over everything in our lives. Sometimes the best that we can do and the best thing that the Lord would would have us to do is to try to be like the Father that we see in the story where he is inviting, he's welcoming, he's opening his arms for his returning son who went out and, like we talked about in the episode about the prodigal son, when the son came to him and asked him for his inheritance, for his his stake in the the estate, that, that basically he was wishing his father was dead because the only way you're able to get your inheritance is if your father passes away, right? And so for him to extend that grace and that that. I'm I'm killing the fatted calf because my son has returned. Sometimes that's how that's that's all that we can do. That's all that we need to do is just to be looking and to be ready for that person for when they do eventually come home and sometimes that might not be the case. You know, we all have different stories, we all have different walks of life and and tragically, you know, things in this world don't always work out how we see them to work out or how we think that they should go, but ultimately God is justice. God is righteous, and I think we need to just trust that. We need to lean into that. We need to have that understanding that His ways are a mystery to us. He does not live in the time and space that we live in. Our thoughts, uh, you know, we can't understand everything that He is thinking, everything that He is planning, but we just have to trust that ultimately everything is for good. And I think that the biggest thing we need to do if you've seen somebody struggle with, you know, whatever it is, is... Just to extend that hand like the Father did, keep your arms spread out to that person, pray for them diligently, ask God to deliver them from whatever it is that they might be struggling with, and then always be looking out for them to return. God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, He rested. If He can create everything in this world, and that's one thing that I have really been trying to prioritize in my life and make sure that I am taking notice of is just the things in nature. Like whenever I go out to work every day, it's still dark outside and I can look up and see the stars and the moon and how it's hung perfectly. And things aren't just falling out of the sky on top of us, right? Like everything is just set so perfectly. And it's like, if he can do all that, if he can create this entire world in six days then he can walk past this man at the pool of Bethesda and say, you know, arise, take up your bed and walk. And the dude's just able just to get up and walk just by his word. And so I would just say, don't put limits on God. Don't put limits on his power and understand that when you are praying, there is power in that. I know a lot of times people will say things like, I will pray for you, but I wish I could do more, right? And it's like, no, when, I, when I'm approaching the throne of God, there's not more that I could possibly do for you than to go to the Creator, the person that has made everything that has created me and you and everything that we see around us. What greater thing can you do for somebody than to approach the throne of the Creator on their behalf and intercede? That's what Paul tells us in in First or Second Timothy. But I think we just need to Make sure that we're praying for these people. Make sure that we are keeping our arms spread out for them and not be so judgmental like a Michael, like the older brother that we see in the story of the prodigal son. And just understand that our plans for somebody is not their plans. And I think that's one thing I talked to um, another parent about. He was, we were talking about parenthood and he was, he all his kids are older than mine. And he said that his plan that he had for his daughter wasn't the same plan that his daughter had for herself. And she's going through a little bit of a rough patch in her life. And he said, you know, at this point, you know, I raised my daughter the best way that I could in church. We taught her the things of the Lord. So, you know, it comes to that point where it's like, I just got to pray and trust. Like the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. So it's just having that trust in God that he is ultimately going to work everything out however he sees fit and I know sometimes that is harder to do, hard, harder to act on than it is to say. But I think that is, I mean, w- me and Antoine McGee, we did an episode on The Chosen the other day, and and one of the lines that Jesus said in the in the episode was something to the effect of, I don't ask people that don't follow me very much But for the people that follow me, I ask a lot of. There's a lot in just giving it up to God and saying, I trust you in this. There's a lot in that because it's like, that's a heavy thing to say, especially when you're talking about somebody that you love and you're like, you see them trying to look back at their Eden, trying to look back at Gomorrah as it's being destroyed. But it's like ultimately... That is where we find our true power is trusting in God and giving up to him and saying, okay, Lord, you're going to have to help me submit this to you because this is something that is very, very tough for me to give to you because this is something that I want to be able to control. I want to be able to go do this. But ultimately, there's things in this life that we can do. There's things in this life that we can control. But then again, there's there's most of the things in this life we're going to have to give up to God and just say that we we trust you with this we're giving this to you. And so as I end this episode I just want to send that challenge out there to you today like what is your eating? What is the thing that you're holding on to the most or maybe somebody that you know what do you see in their life that they're holding on to that you could be praying and interceding for them about that the Lord would take that away from them deliver them from whatever it is that is holding them back from their full calling? Or what is it that's holding you back? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be released from whatever it is that is holding you back? Right? Because ultimately, we can have faith that God is with us, that God is going to help us because He tells us that in His Word. But what else does He say? He says, faith without works is dead. So you can't just simply say, Lord, I'm giving this up to you. I'm trusting you to take it away from me. And then that just be it. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the effort to show God, yeah, I am working with you through your power. Asking for your power to help me to to fix whatever problem it is, whatever hold that is upon me. You can't just expect him to do all the work for you. We serve a working God. And we are meant to be workers. Ultimately, when we go to heaven, we're all going to have a specific task. God created heaven and, Eve, uh, heaven and Eve. God created Adam and Eve to what? Take care of the land. He gave them dominion over the earth to take care of it, to work the field, to work it. And so we have to make sure that we are doing our part and working alongside with Him, having faith, trusting in Him, but also asking Him to give us the power. To work alongside him to take care of whatever problems, whatever Eden, right, that we're looking back to that is holding us back. So that's all that I got for you guys today. Hopefully it's an encouragement to you and a blessing to you. If it is, um, I ask that you uh, share it, uh, comment. You know, one thing that it really does, and I've had several people comment on my Apple, um, what is it called? Apple podcast. That really does help the show out a lot. If this is something that you're getting out, uh, getting something out of, I do ask that you go on there and, and give me five stars. You just click the uh, the call to act um, on your Apple podcast and you can scroll all the way down to the bottom. And then you got the option to give five stars and you can write a little comment or whatever. And I feel like the Lord has really laid this on my heart to do. And I feel like the Lord has really called me to reach as many people as I can for him. And you can be a part of that. Along with me with your prayer and with um, like the comments and things like that, because you think that that is absolutely free to do. And it only takes, you know, 15 seconds just to scroll down to the bottom and click five stars. Um, But what that does is it works. It pushes it up the algorithm to where it's going to get to more ears. It's going to go on specific charts and it's going to start lining up with. Other Christian podcasts that people might be listening to and and give them like a suggestion, you know, like you're listening, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'll like call to act, you know, and and that would just further the gospel. And so I ask you guys to partner me with me through that way and also through prayer. I pray for each of my listeners every day. And so I ask that you guys would do the same for me if you are getting something out of this. And hopefully you are. Um, it's been an encouragement to me. Hopefully it's been an encouragement to you. So that's all that I got for you today. I got a couple more announcements here before we go. Um, these next couple of weeks are going to be crazy. Um, today's recording date is September the 16th. I'm going to put this out September 18th, I guess. Yeah, September 18th. And I'm thinking about moving the show. I, I put it out on every Sunday. I'm thinking about, and actually as I'm talking about it, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So this show will actually come out September 19th. And we're going to start coming out every Monday instead of Sunday. Um, but then over these next couple of weeks, We are having our daughter, Lord willing, on the 29th, and so, um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. We're going to, it's been crazy the last couple weeks, and my brain is kind of fried at the moment just trying to think, it's been a long week, just trying to record um, episodes for this, episodes for Sons of Thunder, and so I'm going to take about a month off Of recording, and I'm not going to, there's still going to be shows dropping every single week, um, but they're just going to be pre-recorded, and and there's going to be one episode with my wife coming out, it's going to be one with um, one of my old high school teammates, Josh Reeves, um, and just several different people, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and and we're going to have our first reoccurring guest, and I'm very excited about that. That's going to be awesome because we are going to break down. I know I touched on a little bit in my episodes about spiritual warfare, but not deeply, but just deeply get into that piece about where I was talking about being in that that depression um, to the point where it almost felt like life itself was not worth it. And I want to get into that deeper. And we're going to do that with with our first reoccurring guest um, in the next couple of weeks. And so with that being said, God bless you guys. I hope you have a fantastic week. I love all you guys. We will see you next week, Lord willing. God bless. Have a great week.